Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Every year, the last Sunday in October, as you know, is we celebrate Reformation Day. And then on the following week, the next Sunday, the first Sunday of November, it's always All Saints Day. And and although we celebrate these two days uh, a week apart, technically on the calendar, they are only a day apart. Reformation Day is October 31st, and All Saints Day is November 1st. And I think it's interesting that these two days, Reformation and All Saints Day, are side by side. Now, historically speaking, we know why that is. The 95 Theses were posted by Martin Luther in 1517 on the door of the church in Wittenberg, Germany, on October 31st, the eve of All Saints Day, the day when Martin Luther knew that that a ton of people were coming to church and they would see the information he posted there. And so October 31st is the day that we use to mark the the beginning of the Reformation as well as our, our celebrations since. And so Reformation Day and All Saints Day are are connected to each other. Now, for the early reformers in the in the in the 16th century, celebrating the saints became a bit of a thorny issue. They had to decide what was appropriate. They had to decide what to do about the saints, especially by their day, because by their day, some questionable practices had risen up over time. Things that people were doing, such as over-the-top parties around martyrs' graves, or offering prayers to the saints, or hearing fantastical stories about their lives, or even placing one's trust in the merits of the saints for your own salvation. The reformers of the 16th century were rightly concerned about these abuses and falsehoods and and about how overly focusing on the saints and their works distracted us from Jesus Christ and his work on our behalf. But still, still, those early Lutherans knew, despite these abuses, that we still need and All Saints Day. Not the kind that's misguided or misdirected, but rather a celebration of saints that gives us a vision of God's grace, a vision of perseverance and hope, a vision of final victory for all of God's saints, which, by the way, includes both you and me. How important is it to have that kind of vision in our lives, especially since this is not the kind of vision that you get from our world today? The kind of vision our world gives, you can see it just by turning on the news or listening to talk shows or scrolling through headlines on your phone or or just walking down the street. It seems like every day this world finds a new way to portray a vision that has more and more defeat instead of victory, more hopelessness instead of hope, more death instead of life. And as sensational as we might complain the news to be at times, embellishment on their part isn't really necessary, is it? We know that reality in this world, the way things actually are, is bad enough. 
Every day we hear about the ongoing war in Ukraine or the constant tension and bloodshed in Africa or the Middle East. We hear news of our own country and economy and a recession. Is it happening? Is it not? We hear about hurricanes and tornadoes and wildfires. This week, as you know, the United States has a midterm election, and, and somehow in our country, we've gotten to the point where to disagree with someone politically is grounds for violence against that person. A, a recent poll shows that 9 out of 10 Americans fear the results of the elections will spur violence, and that's from both sides. And that violence, this isn't just hypothetical. For instance, this summer, shortly after the Supreme Court decision about Roe, one of our own LCMS pastors was riding his bike in downtown Ann Arbor, and someone decided to throw rocks at him. He was wearing a clerical collar, and to that person throwing rocks, that signified something so evil, so abhorrent, that they decided to act out against them. He's fine, by the way. They had a bad shot, but still, this is where we've gotten to. Or the peaceful pro-lifers who pray outside Planned Parenthood in Ann Arbor, getting verbally assaulted on a good day, but threatened by violence or moving cars on the worst of days. I've seen that happen. This is all part of the vision that the world offers us on a daily basis. And it just floods our sight. It floods our lives. And even if we know that some things, and they do, sometimes things get eventually better, but then it's just replaced by other things. We'll be flooded with new protests, new wars, new calamities, new conflicts. The turmoil, it just never seems to end. But these struggles aren't just limited to the world out there. They're not just external to us. They're also personal. The vision that this world provides us affects our own lives with the innumerable trials and sufferings that we personally go through day after day. Sufferings that are a result of our own sin, like guilt and broken relationships or spiritual decay because of our sin, as well as sufferings that are simply a result of our living in a sinful world, things like sickness Anxiety, pain, death. These things, they are not just experienced by us every once in a while in rare circumstances, but they are experienced quite commonly and regularly in our lives, in our families, and in our homes. So whether near or far, we cannot escape the tribulations that this world brings. And that's why Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, that is why we need an All Saints Day. Because today the Holy Spirit gives us a new vision, a vision in Revelation written by the Apostle John. It's actually not new, it's been recorded for thousands of years, but it's different than what the world shows us. And what it shows us is strikingly different than anything the world can offer. And so just allow this scene to wash over you for just a moment, what John was describing. He's describing a vast sea of people, a number that you could never count, even if you tried. And they are shimmering in the light of God's presence. They are streaming into the heavenly kingdom, a multicolored multitude stretching out across the heavenly horizon from every nation, every people, 
every language. They are clothed in white robes. They are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. And that's a good thing, to come out of tribulation. Not just to get stuck in the mire of tribulation, but to go through it and to come out on the other side. To put it simply, what we are shown on this All Saints Day are the saints. People like you and me who made it. The saints who have fought the good fight. They persevered. They finished the race, the marathon of life here on earth. And if they can do it, well then maybe so can we. So what's their secret? How did they get through You know, Robert Louis Stevenson, he's the author of Treasure Island. He once wrote this about the saints. He said, saints are sinners who keep on going. In other words, he was explaining a saint isn't a person who, while he is going, is is perfect in any way. No, a saint is a person who, while he is going, doesn't allow pitfalls and mistakes to stop him, but rather continues on. And that notion is somewhat appealing, isn't it? It appeals to our work ethic in life that if we simply work hard and keep our head down, then we'll eventually get to where we're supposed to be. Saints are sinners who keep on going, Stevenson tells us. But that's not what God is telling us today. He's not telling us that in order to achieve the vision that John shares with us, then we need to get busy figuring out how to survive. He's not telling us to just keep on going and work hard, and if we'll do, then we'll eventually get to the good stuff. God doesn't say that by our striving, by our living as Christian saints and doing what we're supposed to do, that that will be the reason why we're allowed to join this heavenly vision. Although it's appealing to our sinful human ego to think that there's something that we can do that earns us a spot in the heavenly multitude, Nothing could be further from the truth. That's a mirage. Because the great tribulation here on earth is not something that we can conquer on our own. We cannot conquer our own sin. We cannot conquer our own suffering. We especially cannot conquer our own death. Left entirely to our own devices, we would be nothing but ones who are left in the dust as poor, miserable sinners. So what does make a saint? And how can we trust that this vision of the saints from Revelation 7 is a vision for us? Well, that's what God's word tells you today. These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. There is only one way out of the great tribulation, and it is not by your own saintly activity, or anything you do for that matter. It is only through the blood of the Lamb. It is only through what Jesus has already done for you in his death and in his resurrection. It is only through your baptism, which washed the benefits of his blood over you, and through the Lord's Supper, which regularly delivers the Lamb's blood and body to you. And so to modify Stevenson's quote then, saints aren't sinners who keep on going. No, saints are sinners for whom Jesus has already gone. 
God gives you this vision of the saints today so that you can see it with your very own eyes. That on the distant shore of your life to come, on the far side of any current sorrow that you have, is waiting for you the white resurrection robe won by Jesus' victory over sin and death. And that robe will be given to you because Jesus has conquered all of your sins, all of your sufferings, even your own death. This is what he has done for his saints. He has washed their robes clean in his blood, the blood of the Lamb. Now, All Saints Day is also the day when we do remember those who have gone before us. And we give thanks to God for their examples of faithfulness. And we should follow their examples. We should also strive to help relieve others' suffering. We should also strive to imitate Christ and bear one another's burdens, to tend to the hungry and the thirsty, to give to the needy, to comfort those who mourn. We can and should do all of those things. These are, what, these are the things that the saints of Jesus do. But we should also remember that even though we have been given these examples of the striving of the saints, in the end, it was not their striving that brings them out into the bright country of Revelation 7. It is God and God alone who sits on his throne, who will shelter his saints with his presence, who will feed them and give them drink, who will clothe them with his righteousness, who will take all the tears that were once shed, the tears from the loud sobs to the quiet and long tears of grief. And it is God alone who will wipe them all away. Which means, and this is the point today, that what gives us life here and now, what keeps us going, what strengthens our weak hands and makes firm our feeble knees, what gives us everlasting and undying hope, is not our work. It is the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. And that is what this vision of the saints from Revelation 7 gives us. And that is why we need an All Saints Day. There's this little anecdote that gets told about Johann Sebastian Bach, who famously had a lot of kids. And supposedly, Bach was a notoriously difficult person to wake up in the morning. And so his children figured out that the easiest way to, to wake up their, their father in the morning was, was to go to their instruments in their home and, and to play just a few lines of music but then to leave off the last chord. And when they did that, he'd immediately jump out of bed and go to the clavichord and strike the final note, resolving that which was left unresolved. In a way, this is exactly what we have in Revelation 7. We hear our final chord. We witness the final note of God's masterpiece. Right now in our lives, we are striving and waiting and struggling and all this dissonance that's going on, the, the unresolved chords of this world, all the while longing for the resolution that God will bring, the conclusion of our lives that God is working out. But even while we do, we know without a shadow of a doubt, on that final day, we will see the bright landscape of paradise restored. 
and we will also hear it. We will listen to that final triumphant song of the Divine Symphony, a song in which, amazingly, we find that we will have a part written just for us. As we sang earlier in our hymn, For All the Saints, it says this, And when the fight is fierce, the warfare long, steals on the ear the distant triumph song, and hearts are brave again. And arms are strong. What is that distant triumph song? What is it that is reaching our ears today? What is the final chord that we know is coming? Well, John tells us. The multitude cried out with a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. In Jesus' name. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.